Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. And welcome into Early Odds here on 670 The Score. Ryan Horvath back with you here on a Saturday morning, filling in for Joe Ostrowski. Joe will be back next weekend, taking a much-needed vacation. You can catch me on Twitter at Ryan Horvath, R-Y-A-N-H-O-R-V-A-T. Give me a follow there. You can also catch me weeknights, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 p.m. on BetMGM tonight. A live betting show, four hours long. Myself, my co-host, Trista Crick, Nick Ashew. And uh, right now, focused a lot on college basketball. We got the baseball season right around the corner. We're going to talk about the NL Central market again this weekend. We're going to do that in about 25 minutes or so with Matt Pauley out in St. Louis. He is the studio host for the St. Louis Cardinals. They're the favorites to repeat as NL Central champions. You have the Brewers at plus 145 right now over at BetMGM. And then the Chicago Cubs who make some offseason moves. Plus 700. 7 to 1 odds to win the NL Central. We're also going to talk about the NFL draft. We're going to do that with Derek Klassen coming up from Bleacher Report. Uh, studies quarterbacks, does a lot of great film breakdown. Give him a follow as well on social media. And, you know, we're still about two months away from the NFL draft, which is going to take place in Kansas City. The combine is going to start next week. And right now we're taking a look at the quarterbacks, the Chicago Bears with the number one overall pick. Are they going to trade away Justin Fields? I do not believe so, but we've heard some rumors. We've seen some mock drafts where they do make a move. Maybe they go all in for C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. But the one quarterback who, if you've been paying attention to the betting odds, the movement we've seen has actually come from Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. So he's ranked right now as the number 19 overall prospect. But he's taken some massive betting action. This started at Caesars Sportsbook. He went from plus 8,000 to be the top overall pick now to plus 800. So that's a big move right there. Plus 8,000 all the way down to plus 800, 8 to 1 odds for Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, to be the first overall pick in the draft. And again, the Bears right now holding on to that number one overall pick. Are they going to look to trade back like a lot of us think that they should do they take somebody like Jalen Carter uh still a lot to be figured out between now and the time we get to the NFL draft out in Indianapolis but to talk about that and more 
we welcome on Derek Klassen. You could give him a follow on Twitter, QB Class. Does some work with Bleacher Report, really focuses on the quarterback position. And I actually want to start off with Anthony Richardson. We're seeing some movement. Obviously has all the physical tools. You go back, you watch that week one game against Utah in the swamp last year, and you see him make play after play. But can he make all the throws? What are your thoughts on Anthony Richardson heading into draft season, Derek? You know, I'm kind of in on Anthony Richardson, actually. I still don't know if he would be my number one quarterback. I think, at least for me, C.J. Stroud feels a little bit more like a safer bet, and I think he still has pretty good tools to work with as well. But Anthony Richardson, like, the thing with him is that I think it's pretty undeniable. His worst trait right now is is accuracy. Um, I think his ball placement, it can be a little – he has like three to four uh, throws a game that he just kind of sprays, throws them too high um, especially. But I think there's a lot more to him than than these other quarterbacks that we typically ascribe as raw. Because like when we think that a guy is like a raw quarterback, we think, oh, well, he can't really process that well right now. He doesn't know how to manage a pocket, yada, yada, yada. I think Anthony Richardson is actually fairly good at a lot of those things. I think he's actually really good at understanding when and how to move in the pocket, how to keep himself clean, um, how to keep his eyes up. Um, like he's not a guy who, who looks to run first. Like he's obviously a magnificent athlete. He might run a four, four um, and he knows how to make plays outside the pocket, but he's a guy who really tries to keep his eyes down the field for as long as he can. And he knows how to keep himself clean. And then in terms of progressions, like, I don't think he's, you know, the sharpest quarterback I've ever seen. I don't think he's Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. And I don't think he's even as sharp as CJ Stroud is right now, but I think he has a pretty good baseline, especially for a guy who only was a one year starter, 21 years old. So I think he kind of has actually like a decent baseline to work with in terms of how to play in the pocket. And then you throw that on top of like, he he's just built like Cam Newton. He's just a cyborg of an athlete. Like I'm pretty in on him being a guy who I'd be willing to kind of take the home run swing on. Derek, I hate to uh, ask loaded questions, but I'm going to do it here. What should the Bears do with the first overall pick in the draft? And where would you rank Justin Fields with these quarterbacks, with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young? Like, are you all in on Justin Fields for the Chicago Bears? I I would be, because I really liked Justin Fields uh, a lot coming out of college. Obviously, I thought Trevor was better, but I think Fields was my number two quarterback in that class. Um, in a lot of ways, kind of similar for for the same reasons as Anthony Richardson, you know, just an insane athlete, super talented arm. I think Fields was more accurate in college. Um, I think it's kind of been slow to the take in the NFL, obviously, but I think, at least in my opinion, I can kind of ascribe some of that to, like, that team is just terrible, and, like, they were trading for receivers that were just not NFL receivers. Like, uh, trading for Chase Claypool, an effective first-round pick for Chase Claypool, I think was a, a huge misstep and kind of hurt him, but... So I think Fields is still really talented. As a prospect, I think Fields was better than everybody in this class. I think with some of the shakiness he's shown, I think I would understand maybe wanting a guy like Stroud or something. But if it were me, I would still hold on to him. And with the first overall pick, probably try to trade down a little bit if you can because if you know you're not going to take a quarterback. But if they're going to sit there at one, I would just take Jalen Carter and be pretty darn happy with that. You know, every once in a while at the Combine, there's a quarterback who improves his draft stock with a really good workout, arm strength, big hands. He's six foot five. he's six foot six. Is there that quarterback in this year's uh, draft, you know, even if it's a little bit later on and it's somebody maybe who doesn't have the size, like a Jake Hayner, who's only six foot, 198 pounds, probably soaking wet? I mean, I think actually Levis really could benefit from a really good workout because I think when you watch him, and I think at least for me, what separates him from a guy like Richardson, you know, two prospects that are kind of raw, but have these really good arms. 
Levis is just not the same caliber of athlete on film. And he looked a little bit better in 2021 when he was a little bit healthier, but like he's more of a guy who is like a, a B minus type of scrambler. He can do it a little bit, but he's not going to carry everything. If he can actually have a really, really good workout and show that there's maybe a little bit more to him than we thought there was on film. I think that could go a long way for him. Another guy I actually think could really benefit from the combine is, is Stanford's Tanner McKee. Um, he is like an okay athlete on film, but he's kind of like this long lanky guy. But I think if he could have a good workout and really prove himself on the whiteboard, because I think that is kind of going to be where he's supposed to shine. And I think if he can really prove that to teams there, I think he could be a guy who not going to rise into the first round, but I think could be kind of that best of the rest type of guy. Derek, I just I don't understand the knock on CJ Stroud. Like I've seen Bryce make every single throw, but I understand he's six foot tall and 195 pounds soaking wet. But with CJ Stroud, he's six foot three, he's two twenty. I see I've seen him make the throws. I know he plays in that offense, the Ryan Day offense, but what is the knock on CJ Stroud? And you know, where do you have him? What's your evaluation on him going into the draft? He's my quarterback one. You know, I don't think he's some home run, you know, Trevor Lawrence caliber prospect, but I think he's a very solid top ten. You feel good about taking him in that range. I mean, I think you kind of said it like he just feels like it's kind of hard to pinpoint what his worst traits are. You know, I think you can kind of knock him for the transition from the Ohio state offense might be a little tough because we've typically seen that with those guys. And I think that could be a little tough for him. But like, other than that, my biggest knock, you know, really about halfway through the season was, man, I'd really like to see him trust himself more outside the pocket and just break the pocket and go make a play. And then as the back half of the season really started going along, especially that Michigan and Georgia game, it was like, oh, he's really just trusting himself to get outside the pocket, make some incredible plays. So he kind of answered the biggest question I had on film. And so at that point, it's like, I really don't know why he wouldn't be my quarterback one. So that's, that's kind of where I have him. We're talking right now with Derek Klassen here on Early Odds 670 The Score. Give him a follow on Twitter at QB Class, QB Class with a K. Film Room Almanac does some work with Football Outsiders as well as his NFL draft work with Bleacher Report. Uh, another interesting situation is the quarterback situation going on right now with Washington, the Commanders. Is that a team where you know, maybe they look to do something in the draft, or are they all in on former North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell? You know what? I didn't – I thought I thought Howell was okay last year. I think I had like a, like a day two grade on him. You know, he wasn't a guy who I thought was, you know, a sneaky first-round pick or anything like that. But if you watch him in North Carolina – he had a really good arm and he was able to showcase that. I think even in congested pockets, like when his platform was kind of muddied or crowded. And I think that's actually really important for being an NFL quarterback. And then he's a pretty good athlete. Like he's a guy who is not necessarily going to carry your run game, but you can sprinkle in some design stuff and you're going to get value from him as a scrambler. And so I think if he can get another off season under his belt, because I think, you know, coming from that North Carolina offense, it was a little bit gimmicky, not quite as bad as like, you know, the old Baylor stuff or Tennessee or something, but I think it was a tough transition. And so he can get another off season and really acclimate to the NFL level, which I think is possible because I think one of my other theories with him is like these guys that start as freshmen, like even if we watch their college film and some of it can be a little bit up and down, like there's kind of just something to a guy being able to go in at 18 and, and play at a power five program like that. And I think that he's kind of a little bit already proven that with, you know, the NFL, you know, the game he started last year, I think he looked pretty good. So I don't know if this is like a, you know, a high chance of working out, but I think he's a guy that actually has enough interesting tools, enough experience, enough maturity that 
I think it's kind of worth taking the gamble if they, if they don't really think that they can get in position to take somebody this year. Another guy that's kind of built the same way is Jake Hayner, you know, from Fresno State, and he's six foot one, only 200 pounds. But again, he can make the throws. Where do you see him going in the draft? Because, like, if you're the commanders, I don't know, I might like his upside more than a Sam Howell or any of these other guys in the draft, maybe even a little bit later on, like a Hendon Hooker who's coming off a torn ACL. You know, you brought up Will Levis, even Jaron Hall. You know, what, what are your thoughts on Hayner, though, as a pro? Hayner actually kind of reminds me of like if if you're getting like the store brand version of Bryce Young in this class because yeah. you know he's he's obviously a skinnier, smaller guy, um, has a good enough arm to make all the throws. Um, you're a little bit worried about how he's going to be able to hold up at the NFL level, but he's a really sharp kid, uh, and I think his touch at times is really impressive. Um, and he's incredibly tough. I mean, I think we all remember that UCLA game. He's just a guy who is, I think, very understanding of what it takes to play the position. So. I think he's just because of his size, he's probably not going to go any higher than like the fourth round or something. But I think once you start getting into that range, I, I kind of agree with you on like, you know, him being a guy who I would probably take a chance on over, over Hendon Hooker or a lot of these other guys that are in that range. You're listening to Early Odds here on 670 The Score. Ryan Horvath filling in today for Joe Ostrowski. We're talking with Derek Klassen, Football Outsiders, as well as Bleacher Report. You brought up Hendon Hooker. Uh, where do you see him falling and is he a pro quarterback? I think he's the one prospect in this class that I just really don't understand a whole lot because at least for me, even before you go in, you know, watching him, he's a 25 year old who's going to be 26 by the end of his rookie season coming from probably the fakest offense in college football because of the way that Tennessee abuses those wide hashes that just don't exist in the NFL. And he's coming off of the ACL. And so like all of that for me is just in the top 100, it's a complete non-starter And then you watch the film, and for me, I just don't love the accuracy. I think some of his velocity is not really there on some of the sideline throws that you really want from an NFL starter. So I get it in, like, the sixth or seventh round, you take a flyer on a guy who is kind of athletic and and has proven to be pretty productive and has some experience. But I think for teams that are, you know, looking for, like, a chance on an actual starting quarterback, I just don't really think that he's quite that guy. Uh, Derek, we got about two minutes left. So I asked you about the Bears already in the NFC North, and now we're hearing maybe Aaron Rodgers goes back to the Packers. Maybe it's the Jets. It looks like maybe the Raiders are going to close the door. But I watched every single throw from last year, and there's still something there, obviously. But Rodgers missed a lot of throws last year. I know you evaluate. Uh, what did you see last year? Does he still have it? Like, I don't think that it's like the complete drop-off we saw from Peyton Manning that final year or Drew Brees. But, man, he was missing a lot of throws. Like, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers moving forward if he could still play the position? I think physically he still has it. His arm is, is still one of the best in the league. That, that quick release he has is incredible. He's probably not quite the scrambler that he used to be, but I still think he has enough to kind of keep himself free and do some of the stuff that he needs to do to be, you know, that magic Aaron Rodgers. The problem, I think, is just mentally, where I think – even though he's athletic enough to do some of the scrambling stuff, I think we saw him not try to do any of that. He wanted to stay in the pocket, but then even from within the pocket, he didn't really want to throw the middle of the field as much. And it's like, you can't really compound those two, um, you know, play styles on top of each other when that's kind of antithetical to how you've been playing your entire career. So I think if he can kind of mentally get back into playing a little bit more looser and just being more aggressive over the middle of the field, I think he could be a top five quarterback again. But until we see that, like, it's it's just I think he's going to be this guy who is kind of just looking for check downs and home runs, and that's about all you're going to get. 
I'm pretty sure everybody in Chicago would be just fine if Aaron Rodgers wanted to uh, go away, retire permanently. Thanks a lot, Derek. Really great stuff. Again, that's Derek Klassen. Give him a follow on Twitter, at QB Class. Film Room does some work with Football Outsiders, covers the NFL draft for the Bleacher Report as well. Always good stuff. This is Ryan Horvath filling in for Joe Ostrowski here on 670 The Score Early Odds. When we come back, we'll talk some baseball. We'll look at the NL Central market with Matt Pauley out in St. Louis, who covers the St. Louis Cardinals. Are they going to be the repeat champs again in the NL Central? We'll talk about that more here on 670 The Score Early Odds. Welcome back into Early Odds here on 670 The Score. Ryan Horvath back with you here on Saturday, filling in for Joe Ostrowski. Joe will be back next Saturday. He's on vacation right now, and perfect time to take a vacation. You know, we have some XFL football going down, a couple more games today, college basketball, of course, a busy slate coming up this afternoon. Uh, But still a couple weeks away from the conference tournaments and March Madness, so now we start to take a dive into Major League Baseball. We take a look at the betting markets. Again, the Astros plus 650 to repeat as World Series champions. They're the favorites to represent the American League, plus 300 right now over at BetMGM. The Dodgers plus 750 to win the World Series. The same price as the Mets who are sitting at plus 750. The same price as the Yankees who are sitting at plus 750. Then you look at the 10 to 1 odds for the Atlanta Braves and the San Diego Padres. Both teams also plus 450 to win the NL pennant. You look at the AL Central. The division winners right now over at BetMGM. The Guardians plus 140. The Chicago White Sox, disappointing year last year, plus 190. The Twins plus 250. The Tigers are 20 to 1. And then the Royals are 40 to 1. Moving over to the National League, we talked about this a little bit uh, last Saturday. I feel like there's good value here. The Cardinals are now minus 125 to repeat to win the NL Central. The Brewers are plus 160. The Cubs moved from plus 700 last weekend all the way down to plus 600 this weekend. And then you have the Pirates at 60 to 1 and the Reds at 66 to 1. Is there value with the Cubs at 6 to 1? Is there value on the Brewers at plus 160? If you look at the lineup, the Cardinals, they bring back Nolan Arenado, they bring back Paul Goldschmidt. But do they have enough pitching? To talk about that and more, uh, we bring on today Matt Pauley, who is out in St. Louis. Hosts Sports Open Line, which is on 1120 AM and 98.7 FM, KMOX Sports, studio host on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network, an Odyssey station. So, Matt, we know the lineup has the power, you have the speed, uh, but do the Cardinals have the pitching to repeat as the NL Central champions? And when you're looking at a price like minus 125, would you feel comfortable laying that price uh, with this rotation and with this bullpen? Yeah, I think the rotation is uh, pretty good. It's it's from um, uh, from a 162 game standpoint, it's really good uh, because you've got five guys who are going to give you a chance to win every single night. I think where the problem comes in from a rotation standpoint for the Cardinals is those top two guys. Now, if Jack Flaherty gets back to who he was a few years ago, he can stand up with the with a top guy from any team. But when you're looking around the National League, and this is not to dismiss the other NL Central teams. But from a Cardinal standpoint, you're not really looking at these other NL Central teams. You're looking at the Phillies and the Dodgers and the Braves and the Philly and the Mets and just that group of teams. It feels like the top of the rotation, the high endness of the rotation is a step behind the upper echelon of the National League. So would that be your biggest concern, I guess, heading into the season? And do you think, you know, around trade deadline time, because this is a team that's going to be in contention, maybe they're looking to add some arms. 
Yeah, I, I think so. And they're probably in as good of a spot as any team in the National League to make moves. Now, historically, the Cardinals don't make huge in-season moves. But if you remember, right. they needed to bring in a catcher. They brought in Wilson Contreras as a free agent. They were also in the market for Sean Murphy. They had the trade pieces to be able to acquire Sean Murphy. They don't pull off that move. That means all those pieces that were there for Sean Murphy are still there. And I, I this is a weird thing to say, Ryan. I think the Cardinals 40 man roster is too deep because at some point you're going to lose some of these really good players for nothing. If you don't do something with them, because there's other non 40 man guys that you're going to have to add to the roster over the next year or two. So they got to clean up the 40 man roster a little bit. I was going to say, is this almost like a world series or bust type season here in the next couple of years for St. Louis, like this year or next year? Or do you think they still have some time? Because like you brought up the farm system, obviously. Yeah, they're really, really happy with where they're at from a farm system standpoint. The top prospect in the organization is Jordan Walker. He may make the team out of spring this yeah. year, and there's he would have to be added to the 40-man roster. I don't I don't think we're talking World Series or bust. I think there's – you know, this is Adam Wainwright's final season, so there's probably some pressure to have as good of a year as possible. But there was pressure last year for Pulse and Molina in, in their final year. So this is a team – like, it's the Cardinals. they're built to last. They're going to continue. We could have the same conversation probably 10 years from now and the names are going to change, but the content of the conversation won't. Now, who do you think is the better bet? So you got Paul Goldschmidt to repeat his NL MVP, or you could take a look at Nolan Arenado, 15 to one. He had a monster season. Uh, Would you place a bet? Like if you're a betting man, who do you think is the better value pick? Is it Paul to repeat, which is always tough to do, or would you take a shot maybe with Nolan? Because both guys are going to have monster years, I would assume. I, Arenado, I think. Uh, I think Arenado is as impactful of a player as it exists in Major League Base. If I was starting a team right now and I had to, to win now, win this year, so not worry about age, long-term implications, none of that, I, from a position player standpoint, it would probably either be Aaron Judge or Nolan Arenado. Arenado does so much offensively, and then the way he impacts the game from a defensive standpoint, he may be the best defensive third baseman in the history of this game. So, yeah, I would – I would take Arnado on that one. So for you, the- worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The best bet to make. Do you think the Cardinals win the NL Central before we move on here to the Brewers? Yeah, I think the Cardinals win the NL Central by a, a hefty amount. Okay, so who gives them the, who, who gives them the best shot there in the NL Central? Because the Cubs are up and coming, and they were, they were a fun team the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. 
but it's probably the Brewers. I just I don't really like anything that they've done with that lineup. I think they're banking on Christian Yelich to be the Christian El- Christian Yelich of four years ago, and I just don't think he's going to be that Christian Yelich ever again. I love the rotation. What do you think about what they did there with Corbin Burns? I mean, they win the arbitration case, but he wasn't too happy. Any chance maybe that like there's sellers at the deadline? Last year they sell Josh Hader. Burns is going to be a free agent. I could just, if they get off to a slow start, man, I could see them being sellers at the deadline. Like I'm worried a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers at the end of this year. Okay. So if any of the people who are listening to me right now, listen to me in St. Louis, they know exactly what I'm about to say, because I've been yelling this to the high heavens. The Chicago Cubs are a better baseball team than the Milwaukee Brewers. There we go. And <laughs> they are, they they've, they've got better young players. They've done more uh, in this off season. You know, the, there there have been some sneaky moves that they've that they've been able to make. There's a there, there's a good chance that Cody Bellinger takes a step forward. What what do you get um, out of a out of an Eric Hosmer? Like, there's just there's there's enough that they've done. Now, I, th- I think pitching is still an issue. If if you're comparing the Brewers and the Cubs from a pitching standpoint, obviously uh, the Brewers and the rotation that they've got a much better rotation than the Cubs, but. I just think this Chicago team is a more well-rounded team. So they're close. They're really close. But the the proverbial gun to head, I say the Cubs are, are a much better team. And I do think the Brewers could be sellers. It's a really interesting story that it's not good when a face of the franchise type guy and Corbin Burns just goes scorched earth on you. And you find out that the organization was blaming him for not being in the playoffs last year when he was one of the few guys who actually put up pretty good numbers and pretty consistent numbers. I think that's a mess right now in Milwaukee. So you think, you know, do you think there's any shot that the Brewers, so are you kind of writing them off in the NL Central, even as a wild card team? Or do you think that maybe because Craig Council, I don't really know how, but do you think maybe this could still be a postseason team this year? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think the world of Craig Council, I really do. I think he's one of the best managers in, in Major League Baseball. I got to watch what he did, the way he uh, creates a clubhouse culture, everything he does. I have nothing bad to say about uh, about him, but I just, I mean, there's, there's, there's extra playoff spots now. So a lot of times that final team that gets into the playoffs aren't really a very good team. So if the, if the litmus, but come on, let's think about the National League in the West. You have the Padres and the Dodgers that spend money. Uh, in the East, you have the Braves, you have the Phillies and the Mets. So one of those teams would have to not make the playoffs for a Brewers or a Cubs to get in. Like that, that it would take just a massive failure from one of those teams that spent gobs and gobs of money, or in the Braves' case, locked up all their young guys. It would take one of those teams just completely falling apart. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to talk with you today. We're talking with Matt Pauly here, and, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers, their season win total, 85 and a half. I just don't think this team wins 86 games. And then the Cubs, I think you're getting pretty good value, 77 and a half wins. Do you think the Cubs could be an 80-win team and maybe even make a push for a wild card? Do you think maybe they're a year away from there, you know, from that point? I don't really love the rotation, but do you think 78 wins, 79 wins is doable? Yeah, and look, they're not – uh, they're not going to be selling guys off because they don't have guys to sell off for the most part. And I don't think they're going to be buying either. And maybe there's some of these veterans on the team that if they have a nice season, you're, you're able to, you know, if Eric Hosmer all of a sudden becomes Kansas city, Eric Hosmer, then yeah, maybe there's a chance to sell them off at the deadline if you're not really in contention, but can the Cubs win 80 games this year? Yeah, they can win 80. Yeah, I absolutely think so too. Let's take a look at the National League as a whole because I think we're both pretty high on the Cardinals. We're going to wait and see what's up with the Brewers. I could see them being sellers at the deadline. And then the Cubs, 
Again, I could see them as a wild card team, an 80 win team. I at least like their win total over 77 and a half wins. Who's the team to beat in the National League? I mean, every year the Dodgers win 100 games, then they choke in October. The Padres are going all in and they're going to get to Tease back here soon. Manny Machado, I mean, that lineup, and, you know, they bring back you, Darvish. Who's the team to beat in the National League? And then, you know, you have the Mets and the Braves and those guys as well. Yeah, I. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference right now in the upper echelon of the National League. Again, the teams that I would mention in the East, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, and in the West, the Padres and the Dodgers, and then the Central, the Cardinals. I do think the Cardinals are still kind of a half step behind those other teams. Uh, but man, there's there's not a whole the the margin that's going to separate the team that's got the best record and, and the way things are going to play out, play out in the playoffs it's going to be so random and such a small margin i'm not trying to not answer you ryan i just i don't have an answer because i think any of those teams that i mentioned could win the world series yeah yeah it's tough to call this year do you think the padres are going to live up to the hype this year yeah i do yeah. Uh, and I, but I've, I have felt that way like every year of their recent spending spree and this going all in trend that they've been in over the last few years. Every year I go into the year, and it's like, okay, the Padres are legit. And then they aren't. Uh, they were a little bit last year. And I, I think, you know, they, they showed in the postseason that those moves that they made at the deadline, while they may not have worked even down the stretch of the regular season, they worked a little bit more in, in the postseason. It's hard to argue with that uh, with that roster. I see Padres fans on social media, like when the Corbin Burns things happens and, you know, all, fan base is always, and I had a little bit of fun with it for, from a Cardinal standpoint, but fan bases always start to clamor for a guy who maybe looks like he's not happy somewhere. It was all Padres fans who were like, oh, get, get Burns here. Like Padres fans are not happy with that rotation. I'm not going to tell you it's the best rotation in, in baseball, but it's it's pretty good. Right now you're listening to Early Odds here, 670 The Score. Ryan Horvath filling in for Joe Ostrowski. We're talking with Matt Pauley, KMOX Sports studio host on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. So we've talked some Cardinals. We've talked about the National League. Last one I have for you. So Shohei Otani, I've made the mistake uh, the last four years of betting the Angels to win that division. And I just want to mm-hmm. see Mike Trout in the postseason. I think Otani, I mean, I know Otani. It's, it's the most exciting story. It's the most exciting thing we've seen in baseball in years. The problem is the team's a dumpster fire. And now, even before the season starts, Otani's agent comes out. He says, we're going to test free agency, even if that means we're heading back to the Angels, which I don't think they have any chance of keeping him. So let's say it's a slow start to the season. You think the Angels might be sellers at the deadline and move Otani this year rather than lose him for nothing in the offseason next year? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think they're going to look at it from a financial standpoint because he has so much value to that organization you know from an international money standpoint i don't think these are baseball decisions that's one of the problems with the angels i think a lot of the decisions they make are not baseball decisions they're business decisions even the, the when when the owner came out a couple two months ago and said well we're actually not going to sell the team the only thing i could think to myself was well they know that major league baseball expansion is going to happen at some point in the next five to ten years and that is a major windfall when you have all these expansion teams and Artie Moreno just wants to get paid before he gets rid of the team so if if a baseball person can convince Artie that it makes sense to uh, to trade Shohei then yeah I think they do it I just I look at an Angels team that the baseball stuff seem is seemingly so secondary to everything else they do, and you know what happens when and they don't win games. Like that's why they've you know during Albert Pujols' uh, tenure there, they got to the playoffs once and never won a playoff game there. They've got the best baseball player walking the face of the earth in Mike Trout, and they they don't get to the playoffs. It's because they don't value baseball decisions. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. So before we let you go, I do have to ask you actually one more. So Wilson Contreras now takes over, starting catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. What are your expectations for him this season? And did you like the move? As a Cardinals fan, did you like the move? Because I think that's exactly okay. what you so at first I didn't because I didn't like Wilson Contreras as a cub. Okay. And the way he played the game, he bugged me. He annoyed the living, you know, what out of me as a, as a Chicago cub. And then he shows up to St. Louis and he says, yeah, I do that stuff on purpose. I do that to uh, try to, you know, get under the skin of other teams. Okay. And then I met him personally and I spent a little bit of time with him. and man, he's a good dude. I really like him. And I'll ask you this because there's two things he has said and I'm really curious what the reaction in Chicago has been because at the press conference, he said that when the Cardinals and Cubs were playing and Pulis at 695, he imagined himself as a Cardinal and desired to be over in the other dugout and not in the Chicago dugout. And then about a week ago, he did an interview and he admitted that after the season came to an end, he had a Yadier Molina jersey and he put it on in his home and he was walking around in it. And he said to his wife, Hey, how do I look in this? So like, if you're a Cubs fan, how does that sit with you that this dude is talking about as a Cub, you want yeah. to be a Cardinal, and before he even signs with the Cardinals, he's wearing a Cardinal jersey? So like 10, 15 years ago, with this rivalry especially, it would drive me absolutely crazy. But I just, you know, I'm rooting for the guy. I wish he would have went anywhere else other than St. Louis because I just can't root for the Cardinals, but I get it, man. Like, you got a guy that was probably your idol, even though you were competing on the field. Everybody wanted to be him if you played the position. Um, and, I mean, they're similar. Like, they're two fiery guys that want to win. And yeah. with Contreras, the last couple of years, you know, he was so positive during this rebuild. But he's a guy that wants to win. He wants to compete. And how many more good years does he have? So I have no problem with it. I root, I'm root. i rooting for him, kind of. I just I don't want them. I'm also rooting for the Cubs plus 700 to win the division. I'm going to take a uh, sneaky little ticket. I like them over 77 and a half wins, but it's going to be hard to uh, knock off the Cardinals from the top of the NL Central this year. They're tough, man. They are. Damn I, I didn't know the uh, the win total for the Cubs. Yeah, I like that. Seven, I like taking the over on the 77 and a half for sure. How many games do you think the Cardinals win? If you were a uh, guessing man, do you think they go over 90 wins this year? I think they'll be in the neighborhood of 90, I would 88, 89. If I had to pick a number, I'd probably pick 89. 89. All right. Well, you'd be right over the win total, so you'd be good on that one. Matt, thanks so much, man, for giving us some time. Good luck this season. We'll have to have you on again here to talk some Cardinals baseball. Uh, I wish them no success this year, but you all the success. Matt Pauley, KMOX Sports, studio host for the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Check him out on Twitter, Matt Pauley on air. Thanks so much, man, for giving us some time today. You bet. Anytime. And welcome back into Early Odds here on 670 The Score. I'm Ryan Horvat filling in today for Joe Ostrowski, also with the BetQL Network. So Joe does BetQL daily, and I do BetMGM tonight with my co-host Trista Crick, as well as Nick Ashew. And again, you can catch us 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern. If you ever miss any of our uh, any of our stuff, you could also check out the podcast, of course. BetMGM tonight, wherever you do find your podcasts. Like, subscribe, review, rate. All that fun stuff. So earlier on today, we hit on the NFL draft. We did that with Derek Klassen, QB Class on Twitter. Does work with Football Outsiders as well as Bleacher Report. And we talked about what the Bears should do with the number one overall pick, if he's a believer in Justin Fields. And uh, he is a believer in Justin Fields. So I think what you do if you're Chicago is you either package that pick and you try to set yourself up here for the next couple of years. You get enough offensive talent to surround Justin Fields to actually evaluate him 
And I think that that's what the Bears ultimately end up doing. I mean, I'm reading the same mock drafts that everybody else is. I see these Justin Fields trade rumors. I just don't think you give up on a guy like Justin Fields. And I hear people talk about, well, he's a running quarterback. He can't get the job done with his arm. But if you go back and you watch the tape at Ohio State, and again, this is the same knock right now that we're hearing about C.J. Stroud in that Ryan Day offense, everything out of the shotgun, all those skill position players are running 4-2, 4-3, 40s. They're all future pros like Jackson Smith and the Jigba or Garrett Wilson. But still, if you go back and you watch that tape of Justin Fields, where he dominated wasn't only with his legs, it was actually mid-range and deep throws. He was the most accurate intermediate passer on throws 11 to 19 yards down the field in college football the past six years. So I think Justin Fields can make all the throws, and I think he is the quarterback of the future for the Chicago Bears. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with pick number one. Uh, We have the combine beginning next week, so we hit on all that earlier with Derek Klassen. Really good stuff, again, from Football Outsiders. Then we talk some baseball, some Chicago Cubs, some St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee Brewers, NL Central, the betting market. Again, last week when we did this show, the Cubs were plus 700 to win the NL Central. Took a little bit of money this week, down to plus 600 right now. The win total is still sitting at 77.5 wins for the Cubs this year. They make some offseason pickups, and we hit on all that with Matt Pauley, Uh, who is the studio host for the St. Louis Cardinals. Spoiler alert, he still likes the Cardinals to win the division, and that's why they're sitting there right now at some shops, minus 135. That's the price you have to lay on the Cardinals. The market that I'm most interested in, even though baseball season hasn't even started up, even though we're in the middle of the NBA season, even though we're coming up on conference tournament time and March Madness is the best as far as betting, uh, it's still the NFL market for me. And if you go over to BetMGM right now, Super Bowl futures are up. And the Kansas City Chiefs, once again this season, plus 500 to win the Super Bowl. They are the favorites, plus 300 to represent the AFC, which makes sense. You have Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, they're not going anywhere. Matt Nagy's the offensive coordinator, that would be my only concern, but he doesn't call the play, so it doesn't really matter. Andy Reid does that. The Bills, plus 850, the second highest odds, plus 500 to represent the AFC. I'm not saying I'm out on the Bills, but I did this last year. They were the Super Bowl favorites. Josh Allen was the MVP favorite heading into the season. My problem with the Bills, they went all in last year for that Super Bowl. Von Miller gets injured. Uh, Tredavious White just wasn't healthy, their top shutdown corner all season long. You're most likely going to lose one of the better safeties in the league in Jordan Poyer. And then your other safety, Micah Hyde, isn't getting any younger, and he's coming off a neck injury. So I'm not writing off the Bills, but I think they need some help at the wide receiver position. Besides Stephon Diggs, like a lot of us expected Gabe Davis to make that huge leap and be that number two receiver, and it just didn't work out like that. Like they had to call Cole Beasley off the streets week 16. Not out on the bills, just not doing anything with that market. The Bengals are sitting there plus 900, plus 450 to represent the AFC. My only problem with the Bengals is like those deep runs the last two years, terrible offensive line play, love Joe Burrow, but... I almost feel like this year is Super Bowl or bust for the Bengals because they're going to have to pay Joe Burrow some crazy money. And then you're going to have to pay Jamar Chase, probably going to be the top paid wide receiver in the National Football League here in a couple years. So they're not going to be able to pay T. Higgins next season. That's why Bears fans, we're getting excited. Like maybe we could make a deal for T. Higgins, who I think on any other team is probably a number one wide receiver in Cincinnati. He's number two behind Jamar Chase. But what do the Bengals do now? 
because like the window to win is so short in the National Football League if you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow because eventually you have to pay the quarterback like Joe Burrow. Like what the Chiefs did this year I thought was insane because you kind of had to rebuild on the fly. You trade away Tyreek Hill, a top 10 wide receiver. You bring in MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, and you win a Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes is that damn good. I just fear for the Bengals that, like, what do you do this year? Do you go all in and you bring back T. Higgins? Because if you don't trade away T. Higgins, you're going to get nothing in return. You're not going to be able to pay him, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. So he probably leaves in free agency next season unless he's going to take a team-friendly deal which I don't think any player should do, and I definitely do not think T. Higgins will do. The team that I find the most value with is actually in the NFC. So the NFC last year was a complete dumpster fire. The NFC North, you had the Minnesota Vikings, complete frauds. I don't think they get any better this offseason. That defense is a mess. The Lions, the up-and-coming team, I just, I'm not ready to buy into Dan Campbell and Jared Goff with my hard-earned money. I think the Bears are heading in the right direction, but they're a year away from maybe being a year away from competing. And then the Green Bay Packers, I don't know if it's Jordan Love, I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm staying away from the NFC North. I'm staying away from the NFC South. But the team I'm looking at is actually the San Francisco 49ers. And you could say, okay, they have the third best odds to win the Super Bowl. This is a chalky pick that you're going to make here Saturday, February 25th. Why are we even talking about this market? I just don't know that we get a better price. Plus 850 to win the Super Bowl, plus 350 to represent the NFC. And that's the number that I'm looking right there at, uh, plus 350 to represent the NFC. So we'll see what happens this offseason, but Tom Brady's gone. We thought maybe there was a shot he would be the starting quarterback in San Francisco. Talking a couple weeks back with Jason Lockenfora, NFL insider for Odyssey, he thought maybe there was a shot Brady would play his final season in San Francisco, his hometown team, his childhood team. Instead, Brady the next day retired on a beach on Instagram. So I think San Francisco goes into next season with Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. Like I believe in Justin Fields, I also believe in Trey Lance. I feel like some people have written off Trey Lance, which is absolutely insane. We've only seen him start an NFL football game four times. As a rookie, he started twice, played pretty damn good in his first start, eh, decent in the second, went one and one. Last season, I can't take away too much from that week one game against Chicago at Soldier Field, only because... Those were terrible field conditions. He pretty much played that game underwater. Still made a couple really nice throws if you go back and you watch the All-22 tape. And also was able to use his legs a little bit. Week two, he gets hurt. So I just, I'm not ready to write off Trey Lance. And I know Brock Purdy was a really fun story last year. He was Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. He leads San Francisco to that winning streak. They go all the way to the NFC Championship game. And then unfairly, he gets knocked out of that game and he can't complete a forward pass. They have to send him back out there because Josh Johnson gets hurt, and their emergency quarterback is also their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk or Christian McCaffrey, whoever the hell it was. So they had to put him out there just pretty much to hand the ball off. It was a fun story. I'm not saying Brock Purdy's career is over, but I think his days as a starting NFL quarterback, unfortunately for him, are over because of what San Francisco gave up for Trey Lance. Like, eventually you have to evaluate Trey Lance. Even if Kyle Shanahan doesn't fully buy into Trey Lance. Obviously, the general manager, John Lynch, did, and that's why he traded away all that draft capital a couple years back to land Trey Lance. So I think they at least want to evaluate him for a full season, an entire season. And so next year, going into the year, I feel like this is a win-win situation for San Francisco heading into camp because Brock Purdy may or may not have to have Tommy John surgery. He may or may not be ready to throw a football by August, September, 
So by default, Trey Lance is your starter. You're able to see what you have in Trey Lance. If he struggles, you start one and three, two and four, something like that, you could always go back to Brock Purdy. You have seen him run the offense. You know he could get the job done. I just feel like the ceiling is that much higher for Trey Lance, and that why that's why he was a top three pick in the draft and why Brock Purdy went last and he was even benched in his time at Iowa State. Like Matt Campbell benched him at Iowa State. He had a one really good year, and then that final year, even with Brees Hall and all those weapons at Iowa State, like he still got benched and they still fell outside the top 25. So I'm not saying I'm out on Brock Purdy, but I think the ceiling is higher for Trey Lance, and I really like that price for San Francisco. Again, plus 850 to win the Super Bowl next season, plus 350 to represent the NFC. You have that running game with that offensive line. Trent Williams does not age. He's the best tackle in all of football. Christian McCaffrey is just an absolute weapon. Shows that he still has a couple good years at least left in him. He's still pretty young, but you know we know when running backs hit 28, 29 years old, nobody wants to touch him anymore. They have Elijah Mitchell there as the backup running back. He's the goal line back, the power back. He could get the job done. I love the skill position players. You have Brandon Ayuk, who continues to get better every single year as a wide receiver. Debo Samuel is the ultimate gadget guy, the wide back. He could do it all. He's a top 10 receiver in the league. And then I love Travis Kittle, or I love Travis Kelsey, but man, do I like some George Kittle as well, especially because he's such a damn good blocker. So on the offensive side of the ball, San Francisco, even if it is Trey Lance behind center, I think they're going to be just fine. They'll be able to score enough points with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. Again, that's a guy that took Jimmy Garoppolo to a Super Bowl. He won games with Nick Mullins. He won games with C.J. Beathard. I think he could get the job done with a uh, you know, former top five pick in Trey Lance. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think they're going to skip a beat. I do think they need some secondary help. I wouldn't hate them addressing that in the draft. Like That's the one area you can attack San Francisco is deep shots down the field. They give up explosive plays, but they have linebackers who cover sideline to sideline. I think Fred Warner is the best inside linebacker in all of football. And they have the reigning defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa. Love or hate the guy. Probably the best pass rusher. Definitely the best pass rusher in the league. Maybe next to only Micah Parsons. I, uh, I'm i really high on the San Francisco 49ers. Even though it's kind of a chalky pick. Plus 350 to represent the NFC. And plus 850 to win the Super Bowl. I think those are decent value bets to make right now. And then in the AFC, the team I'm all in on for the 2023 season as far as price is the Jacksonville Jags. 22-1 to to win the Super Bowl and plus 1,400 to win the AFC. Trevor Lawrence made a huge year two leap. Urban Meyer was a complete disaster his rookie year. He gets canned. Doug Peterson takes over. They actually win a playoff game. Trevor Lawrence finally lived up to that hype. We were ready to write him off after just a terrible rookie season, and they only get better on the offensive side of the ball. So all those big money contracts that they gave out last season that we ripped ended up working out. Zay Jones had a career year. Christian Kirk had a career year. Evan Ingram had a career year at the tight end position. And now they had another wide receiver because they made that midseason trade for Kelvin Ridley, who was suspended all of last season for for betting on games. Now he comes into that offensive system. You have Doug Peterson calling the plays. I think Jacksonville could average 28, 30 points per game. And they're going to get better on the defensive side of the ball. They used all those draft picks last year. Devin Lloyd, the inside linebacker out of Utah. I think he's only going to get better year two. So the team that I'm high on in the AFC, 14-1 to price, is the Jacksonville Jags. And then as far as the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, plus 350. The other case you could make for the Jags, they play in the worst division in all of football. 
Like Tennessee's in cap hell. We don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position with Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry's not getting any younger. That secondary was atrocious last year. How much longer does Mike Vrabel want to be there? Houston, they're still years away from being any good. And the Colts. I uh, have no interest in betting the Colts. I don't know who their starting quarterback's going to be. I don't know how healthy Jonathan Taylor is going to be. That defense took a step back. For me, I'm all about the Jags in the AFC South next season. That'll do it for me, Ryan Horvat. I'll be back on BetMGM tonight starting on Monday, 6 to 10 p.m. You can catch us there on the Odyssey app, the BetQL Network. You can find the podcast, BetMGM Tonight. Joe will be back with you guys next Saturday. You can catch him as well on BetQL Daily and here on Early Odds. Up next, some great baseball talk here on a Saturday. It is inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. For Ryan Horvat, that'll do it for me. See you guys next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.